This episode of the Best Seats Podcast is brought to you by, well, you. To learn how you can support the show, go to thebestseats.com slash Patreon. Once there, you'll learn how you can get early access to shows, ad-free listening, the ability to submit questions, comments, concerns, and more. Once again, that's thebestseats.com slash Patreon. But enough of that. On to the show. Hello and welcome to the first ever episode 47 of the Best Seats Podcast, the only podcast bringing you interviews with some of the most talented people in and around the Southern California hospitality industry each and every episode. That's right, Orange County, Los Angeles County, San Diego County, and beyond each and every week right here on the Best Seats Podcast. I am your host, Crawford McCarthy, founder of The Best Seats. Thank you, as always, to my friend, Ali Coyle who provides the music for the show. You can find more of her work at AllieCoilMusic.com. And as a reminder, if you enjoy the show, please be sure to leave a rating or review wherever you are listening to it. It helps other folks discover it and spread the good word. And don't forget, you can go to TheBestSeats.com for more content just like this. Thank you, as always, to the show sponsors. Sponsors for this episode are HireLilo.com and HeirloomPotage.com. But we will get to that later. And as a reminder, if you support on patreon.com slash the best seats, you can get early ad-free access to each and every episode several days before the public. What a massive episode we have lined up. I am sitting with two guests today, Jason Ambacher, who is the chef at Dijamara in Oceanside, California, and Simmer Swine, the owner of Dijamara down in Oceanside, California. Now, if Dijamara is not a name that immediately brings up some fantastic flavor memory or a wonderful night out drinking natural wine and crushing good food in your mind, then you're doing something wrong. It's an absolute gem sitting for me down in Oceanside, depending on where you're listening to it. Maybe it's right, left, up, down. I don't know where you're at. But it's a restaurant that you need to hit. It's a restaurant that you need to know. It's a restaurant that needs to be on your list. It is one of the most underrated spots in Southern California. I think one of the most important restaurants around the area regardless of kind of what region you're in or where you're listening to this, Dijamara in Oceanside is a place that you need to go. The Balinese-inspired restaurant and natural wine bar is unapologetic. It's stylish. It's fun. It's funky. It's inviting. You're not going to eat a single bad thing there. You're not going to have a bad glass of wine there. You may have flavors that you're not used to or you haven't experienced before, but they're all good. Sitting today with... It's just such a fun place. I had so much fun recording this freaking episode. I cannot even tell all of you. Sitting with her and Jason, hearing about the food, her life experiences coming from Singapore, what went into this restaurant, and how it's just such an expression of their lives kind of coming together. Her internationally, Jason is from Oceanside. So to be able to translate what they want onto the plate and then how they survived the past year and how it's going since is pretty awesome. But again, I highly recommend going there. If you haven't been there yet, pause this episode really quick. Go try to make a reservation. If you live in the area, try to walk in, maybe go on an off day, but it's a place you absolutely need to eat at if you have not been. But once you do go, make sure to hit play because we got a great episode ahead of us. Episode 47 of the Best Seats Podcast, sitting down with the team at Dijamara in Oceanside, California. Enjoy. 
Simran, thank you so much for sitting down. I'm humbled to be here. I'm extremely excited to be here. This is a restaurant that I am a, to say a fan of is kind of an understatement. I love what you do down here. I love everything that this place stands for and what it represents. Before we dive into that and kind of talk about the space and the history of it as a whole, would you mind introducing yourself, giving a little bit of your background and, and how this place came to be? Yes, hi. Nice to be here. Um, well, I am from Singapore and I moved here four years ago, lived in Bali for a bit. And me and my partner decided to introduce Balinese food, but elevated in Oceanside. Kind of reminds me of Bali a bit because, you know, Bali is a huge surf town and, you know, this is a surf town as well and there's a bit of edge to it. And I think that's why it called to me. And um, yeah, I think it was just the right fit for us. Yeah. So when did the restaurant start? And obviously we're sitting down here at, and again, correct me if I'm going to mispronounce it, feel free to hit. It's Dijamara. Yes, correct. Um, if anybody listening has not heard of it, immediately hit pause, go Google it, look it up, and then come back to the show. When did the restaurant come to be, and what was it like kind of putting it all together? So it was really tough because me and my business partner, um, he, he's from England and I'm from Singapore, so obviously that was a bit of a challenge. Uh, moving here, we, we lived in Bali, and we wanted to do something there, but we moved here, I mean, as cliche as it sounds, we fell in love with California. <laughs> and we were like, okay, let's, let's see if we can do this. And... You know, getting our visa was definitely challenging, but, you know, it was, it was a really long process finding the right spot. And my business partner, thankfully, like, knew how to, like, do a lot. So we, yeah, we built it together. We introduced, like, um, you know, we brought all our artwork from Bali. We brought the tables. Like, we got a huge container. And that's why this restaurant is so special. Honestly, when you walk in, it's like you're walking into my house. You know, everything is like DIY. We frame our paintings and whatnot. So, yeah, it, it's definitely our touch to it, as you can see. And, yeah, I mean, it, was, it took us a year and then the doors open. And, honestly, we were terrified because <laughs> we, like, we had no idea about Oceanside much when we moved here. And we were like, okay, it's a cool town. Let's do it. And I remember putting the menu outside and I was like, okay, nobody's going to understand this. Nobody's going to know anything. Like, I'm scared, you know, but people's, people in the locals like just appreciated what we do. And it just went word of mouth matters, you know, and I'm very appreciative and I'm very happy to be in Oceanside. I think it's such a cool town. Yeah. We're going to talk about the menu because your chef is going to jump on in a couple of minutes. Obviously, yeah. he's kind of in the back doing something. Yeah. Um, but talking about getting to Oceanside, you said that you just kind of found it, you fell in love, mm -hmm. and boom, let's open a restaurant here. Mm -hmm. It's one thing to introduce a restaurant from kind of your life. You know, yeah. So many people grow up in different areas. They want to express themselves through a restaurant. Yeah. Balinese food is not something that is easy to find, let alone a restaurant inspired by not just kind of London, but Bali and your experiences down to yes. Singapore and places like that. 100%. What was it like for you translating your life into this space? I mean, it was a huge adjustment. I mean, honestly, coming from Singapore, I mean, it's such a clean, like you can't chew gum, you know, it's, it's a very, it was a huge adjustment. It was a bit of a culture shock for me. But I felt like I just fit in and I, I adjusted really well, surprisingly. And I... I just cannot imagine leaving Oceanside yeah. right now. It's really my home at the moment. Um, I've built so much connections, friends, and, you know, it's, it's the support. I think what I realize the most is as well, like, yes, I love to just dare to be different and throw whatever I believe out there, 
and just support it and back it and see what happens is one thing. But during COVID, um, the support that I got from Oceanside was unreal. You know, like I, I could not believe it. It was so welcoming and like heartwarming to receive how many of the locals supported me. And I think that's like the most beautiful thing, yeah. you know. So, and then, yeah, and then I started, you know, being crazy about natural wine. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'm going to go, you know, just just go all out. And I did. And people started appreciating that. I mean, I remember we did natural wine three years ago. And every wine that I sent out was sent back. They were like, oh, this is like, this is so sour. Is it cocked? Or This is um, the wrong color. No, it's orange. It's fine. Yeah. It's, is it orange juice? <laughs> like, and now three years later, every single table is having the most funkiest wine on their table. And like, it, the scene is growing here. And it's just a huge achieve, accomplishment on my end because yeah. we want to introduce something so great. It's like art, right? So it's, it's every single wine I've tasted, it's like, it always surprises me. It's like, I, it smells different, but it tastes different. And I think that's what keeps it interesting. It messes with your palate. Well, an accomplishment is an understatement. I mean, we should kind of give note to the fact, I want to say it was just before or maybe right after. When did the Michelin recognition come through? The Michelin was last year, October. I remember that because I had a shitty tattoo <laughs> on that day. It's <laughs> a good way to memorialize it. Yeah. I mean... It, it, Again, this podcast is focused in Orange County, but I've had guests from Chicago, Miami, kind of all over come on. Mm -hmm. Um, Or people in Orange County, we have kind of a a habit of, it's a very centralized place. People don't really like to leave their bubble. Yeah. We like to imagine that Long Beach, even though it's Los Angeles County, is kind of part of us. Yeah. I feel the same way about Oceanside. We're separated by Pendleton. Again, to drive here for this podcast took me 30 minutes today. Yeah. This is a very special place. And it's very, up and coming is not the right word because you've been here. You are, you are established. People yeah. like, you know, Chef Willie Ike down the road is established. There's a lot of other chefs and a lot of talent here. Yep. To be sure. part of this community through COVID. And again, the, the day that we're recording this is a day after being announced that San Diego is now an orange tier. So yeah. increased capacity. That's why we're having orange wine right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> what does it feel like? I mean, it's the mandatory question to have survived the past 12 months. Oh, I mean, like I said, I would not have survived without the support for this sound. And I mean, you know, the whole, okay, going back to the mission guide thing, I didn't know. I never knew if I'm ever featured in any magazine. I don't know anything. We just <laughs> wear dog mountains, come to work, wear a beanie, and just do what we do and just keep giving you guys good food, a good experience. 90s hip hop, of course. And, um, you know, and then we get mentioned, like we won Eater's Award for like the best restaurant in San Diego a few years ago. And it's just, it's just crazy that how many people appreciate us. You know, and when we got into the mission guide, it was huge because now we are seeing customers driving from LA and like, you know, everywhere. And the locals is like, finally, like now, you know, now we cannot get in. Now we have to make a reservation. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, because for them, it's like, it was like a hidden gem. We never shout about Dijamara. Our sign is so small. You know, we never really had much press or PR. You know, I did social media. That's about it. You know, so... Yeah, I'm very grateful to have that mention for sure because that has definitely um, made us more known, you know, all over. So, yeah, we're just going to keep continuing making everything more funkier and spicier. (laughs) What was it 
in your life that made you, when you got to the States and fell in love with California, be like, yeah, a restaurant sounds like a good idea. Because again, this is not a super economically yeah. friendly state. I think it's candid to say yeah. towards a lot of small businesses. What made you want to lay down the roots here and open something like so, this? I mean, I always wanted to have my own spot, you know, always. I've been in this industry for 12 years now, you know, um, in Singapore and whatnot. And I had, I was lucky enough to have the opportunity to meet my business partner and we both were on the same page and we were like, let's do this. Without each other, we wouldn't have done it, you know? And um, yeah, we just, we did it. And I, I don't know, it just felt right doing it here, yeah. you know, than anywhere else. And like, there was nothing Balinese about this area. There was no Southeast Asian inspired food. And when people think Asian food, they think it's like fast food or cheap. And it, no, it's not. Like there's a lot of ingredients that go in one sauce, you know, yeah. like there's no, I feel like sometimes there's no, not much appreciation when it comes to Asian food. So elevating it and using like the best produce and just just elevating Asian food to a completely different level, you know, and now being recognized for it, it's it's very I'm I'm very proud of it. I think you should be. You I know? think Asian food is wildly yeah. underappreciated by a lot of kind of American cuisine fanatics. Obviously not the cultures where they come from, but 100%. I think a lot of people look at it as that kind of fast option. It should yeah. only cost this much when so much goes into it. Yeah. Singapore, it should be noted, is an insane food town. Oh, I mean, insane. arguably one of the best in the world. 100%. And then, but describe the difference between when you're talking Southeast Asian, what defines, in your mind, before we get Chef on the show too, mm-hmm. Balinese? Because Bali's a very yeah. specific amazing stunning yeah. area what is that kind of differentiator in your mind so with Balinese okay Southeast Asian we, I'm talking like Singapore and Malaysian inspired um, but Balinese we use a lot more of galangal and ginger you know it's it's a lot more of that and their style of peanut sauce is completely different than Thai peanut sauce or Malaysian peanut sauce you know so I think like focusing on that but then eventually we just went crazy and did like oh you know what yes we're Balinese but let's do Southeast Asian as well yeah you know let's introduce Singapore flavors and Malaysia and just do it all you know so yeah well it's time for a little commercial yeah the last year provided so many challenges for restaurant owners Now that they're finally getting a chance to open their doors again to the public, it can only be an exciting thing. However, some of those challenges still remain, like hiring new staff after having to let go of them for almost an entire year. That's where Hire Lilo comes in. Custom built from the ground up by hospitality professionals, Hire Lilo is your destination for restaurant hiring. Applicants can create resumes on the site, set up meetings, use the virtual messaging system to communicate with potential hirees, and more. Restaurants also have a multitude of options to choose from, including selecting mandatory shifts for specific positions and more. The website is easy to use and is a perfect build-out for the hospitality industry. None of the other fancy stuff are trying to compete with every other industry on the planet for new hires. As I said, it is hospitality-specific, making it your destination for hiring. Using the promo code STAYSTRONG, all one word, you can create a free job posting today and start to fill those hiring voids. Hire Lilo provides on-site help. They'll sit down and make sure that your restaurant is set up and properly ready to go and that you can utilize all the features Hire Lilo offers. To learn more or to create an account and get job posting now, go to HireLilo.com. That's H-I-R-E-L-I-L-O.com. Once again, that's HireLilo.com. I don't know about you, but 2020 had me re-looking 
at how I live and the space that I live in. Spending so much time at home really had me reevaluating how certain things worked and didn't in my living space. One of the main things, as an avid home cook and an obvious supporter of restaurants, was gardening. Anybody who enjoys food at all will be able to tell you that something you've grown yourself will taste infinitely better than anything you can buy at a store. That's where Ashley Irene of Heirloom Potager comes in. Heirloom Potager designs, installs, and maintains seasonal culinary gardens for chefs and foodies in Orange County. They provide organic gardening methods and bespoke build-outs used to preserve the heirloom varietals that they'll provide for seeds. An approachable and exciting endeavor, no matter if you're a seasoned restaurateur or a stay-at-home chef. Owner Ashley Irene's experience, expertise, and enthusiasm is only matched by her professionalism. For more information on how you can set up a consultation to get your own culinary garden space set up, go to heirloompotager.com. That's heirloom, H-E-I-R-L-O-O-M, potager, P-O-T-A-G-E-R.com today. Once again, that's heirloompotager.com. Now we have <laughs> Chef joining us and kind of jumping in. With a glass of orange wine, of course. <laughs> um, Chef, really quick before we kind of jump right into it, would you yeah. mind, now that you're joining us from the, the kitchen, would you mind uh, introducing yourself and giving a little bit of your background before we kind of continue on what we were chatting about? Cool. Yeah. Uh, my name's Jason Ambecker. I'm from Oceanside. Um, worked at a couple restaurants around town right after I graduated culinary school in 2010. Um, worked at the Flying Pig, 333, uh, Mill Floor, Santa Fe, Harney Sushi. Um, and then after that, I moved to Cape Town for a girl for a couple years. So lived there for two years, worked at some nice restaurants, staged at uh, one of Liam Tomlin's restaurants in Cape Town. He won Best Chef in South Africa a couple years. Um, it's called Chef's Warehouse, actually. Um, then moved back here and started, started here at Deja. Yeah. Yeah, and that was almost three years ago now. So before you were able to kind of jump in on the mic, we were talking about the inspiration of what it means to translate, not just Southeast Asian, but that kind of Balinese menu that you guys are obviously kind of crushing in this kitchen. What was it like for you to kind of take your world travels and your experience, understanding what, you know, she and the team wanted to do and kind of put that on a menu for Oceanside? Um, it definitely traveling has helped me a lot and my own personal interest in Southeast Asian food um, helped a lot, like adapting and growing in this restaurant, in this kitchen. Um, I'd never worked at a restaurant that was Southeast Asian, but I'm always cooking Thai food at home and traveled to Thailand for a couple weeks. Um, yeah, so that definitely helped me kind of adapt to the Indonesian cuisine or Singaporean or both because it's very similar. Yeah. A lot of, uh, lot of similarities. Yeah. Yeah. How did you guys come about getting connected? Were you just looking for like a new kitchen to jump in and kind of it look It was actually, <laughs> um, I was looking for a job before I moved back from Cape Town. And I was just, uh, the girl I was dating at the time was scrolling through Instagram and saw this new restaurant in Oceanside. And I was like, oh, that looks cool. And then a buddy of mine happened to work in the kitchen at the time too. So I was like, all right, that's like a cool place, something different in Oceanside. It's not like everything else. And so I'll just apply there when I get back. And then two weeks later, I started working here. We had already chatted about it a little bit before, but I want to hear your experience on it. Um, obviously, it's kind of the, the mandatory question everybody has to be asked. What's this past year been like for you? Has it changed? Oh. I, I, I need more orange wine. <laughs> how does it feel man, to kind of? How does it feel to kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel a little it bit? It is and, such a relief, honestly. And part of me is surprised we made it through because there was times where it was like it was rough, man. 
It was really difficult doing takeout only for a while, and it was only me and my kitchen manager at the time all day, every day, doing the dishes, doing the cleaning, doing literally everything Mm -hmm. for, what, three months? Yeah. For three months straight, man. It took a toll on us for sure, mentally and physically. Um, But just to see where we are now with, like, actually having people inside and just that bit of normalcy slowly starting to come back is such a relief. Yeah. So nice to see. From the cooking side of things, it's one thing when you design a menu that, as we kind of mentioned, will eventually get recognized by Michelin Guide and things like that and all the worthy accolades that I think you guys have rightfully earned. Thank you. How is it transitioning that menu from a creative standpoint where you're not worrying about how it's going to be played and what's the time from the past to the table, but shifting it to go and making sure that you're still trying to deliver that kind of Dijamara experience in that to-go format? What was that like for you? It was... It sucked, man. It sucked. Because <laughs> like, we, like, we like plating food and making it look yeah. nice. And it was just so sad to put all this love into the food and throw it in a to-go box for people. And, like, we still try and make it look best we can, but yeah. it's in a to-go box, you know? It was just yeah. not what we want to be doing. Yeah, um, so that was mess. rough. But, I mean, obviously the flavors were all still there. It just, uh, yeah, we couldn't apply any finesse, really. Yeah. We're just throwing it in a box. Yeah. Um, so that part sucked. But, um, we, I mean... Even though it was rough, we still put all the same love into the food as we always did when we had yeah. a full crew because, I don't know, I can't help and but not. I'm not going to do something wrong yeah. if I know better. Yeah. yeah. So it's, yeah. And I just worked, I just had to work a lot more. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it was, like, so tough because, like Jason said, like, our food has so much finesse and everything. And doing to-go is something we had to do, but we weren't doing well enough because our food is an experience. You know, we sit down, we we want like that finesse on the plates, artwork, ambiance, music, and whatnot. People so, pay that little extra for that. Yeah, yes. so for Absolutely. us to like do the yeah. same food, but have people, because I mean, we, we lowered the prices a little bit just to get some business in. Because mm. to be fair, it is just to go. So us yeah. doing the same kind of quality or caliber food, but getting charging people less for it, it kind of yeah. yeah, it was hard. And even then, it's a hard thing to translate yeah. to customers. Yeah. Like, well, why is on, it this much? Like, and then on top of that, yeah. we were doing Grubhub, DoorDash. Mm-hmm. They were taking like 30%. Yeah. Yeah, they're definitely not sponsoring this show anytime soon based on some of the, <laughs> some of the disparaging. Disparaging would be a lightweight to put in comments that have been made. Um, I want to talk about the natural wine. I'm a mm. huge natural wine proponent. I'm a massive supporter of it. Um, I've had people on the podcast that work at traditional wineries. I got no hatred in my heart for it, but natural wine is something that I think is very exciting. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of great things that can be discovered through that. Yeah. I want to, it's going to be kind of a two part question. I want to ask you first, how did the natural wine program come about? Cause you mentioned that you started it and then you brought it back. Yeah. But then I also want to get your perspective because obviously Pairing wine and food is a, you know, kind of tale as old as time type it's of thing. It's part of the experience, yeah. yeah. What's that kind of challenge for you with the natural wine program? So I, I want to start with you on where, okay. what was it like bringing the program so back? So honestly, so we had a first chef, Ryan Costanza. Um, he he uh, basically was our original chef when we opened. He's great. You know, he used to work for Dominic Cran and whatnot. And he introduced me to natural wine. And um, I think that's how it happened, you know. He, he was very behind it. He was like, you know, we're not going to do anything but natural wine at Dijamara. And it took me a while to get into it and our customers. Like I said, we got sent back every glass when we just opened. Um, and after a year or two, I fell in love with it because I really looked at it as art. You know, and I like it that how our food is so complex and there's so much going on. And then you have something so crazy that messes with your palate. And I love that because you customers, some, some of the customers leave like ending on the trip like 
was I just high? <laughs> like, what's going on? <laughs> you know, like, what did I just have at Dijamara? <laughs> so I think, um, you know, I, I'm just, I love it. It's very fun and it's interesting, like the whole process of how they make it. And, um, you know, it's just fermented grapes in a bottle yeah. and, you know, with a twist on it, you know, whether it's skin contact or whether that isn't. And um, I think with pairing wise, I don't know, Jason, what, what do you think with pairing wise? Um, well, as far as a natural wine goes, like I've, I've fell in love with wine a couple years before I started here, like in Cape Town, not really knowing so much about natural wine because the scene there isn't as big. Yeah. Then when I started here, she introduced me to natural wine and like really started to appreciate it more. It's just so different, more blending of grapes than you would see in yeah. um, like old school wines. Um, but yeah, with the pairing, like I will sit in on tasting sometimes and we choose the wines together and we talk about like, oh, like this would go really well with the ceviche or like migarang even. Yeah. Um, because yeah, I feel like they are so complex, they can stand up to some of the, like, intense, uh, like, flavors and stuff that we use here. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's really fun, just having, like, an ever-evolving list of natural yeah. wines. It's always changing, and we're always pairing it with different things, and yeah. it's really fun. And I think it's, like, without wine list, it's so, there's so much to it, because, like, I literally go to LA and like R&D I'm like I want this bottle I'll hit up five reps I'm like do you have this so it's not just going to one rep I feel like it's important like, like 10 I, yeah, I have like five six like I want so I want different wines on from every single rep so that our list is just crazy and though it's so hard to keep up with like our wine list on our website right now now I'm like okay you know what just ask me it what changes. we have in stock it changes almost <laughs> every day yeah. well, every we should, I mean, week we should know for people listening we're not talking some massive winery in Napa that's producing 100,000 cases. Yeah. We're talking Small batch. one dude in Willamette mm-hmm. that's producing maybe 60. Yeah. I mean, yeah. when these things are gone, they're gone. Yeah, exactly. Like, period. So, yeah. And ne- I allocate- yeah, never to be made ever yeah. again. It's no, like, it, it's, it's, it's kind of beautiful. Yeah, probably not taste the same way. I mean, a, it's wild. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. So like whenever, if I can get my hands on like certain wine, I'll be like, yes, I only have one case, but I'll take it. Because <laughs> yeah. I first of all, I want to drink two bottles of it and I want to sell the rest of the 10, so. Yeah. <laughs> Dijamar is a very special space. Again, I, I said kind of in the opening, this is a place that's very near and dear to my heart. I think it's very important, um, not just for Oceanside, but I would say kind of Southern California dining as a whole. You're doing a lot of education here, whether intentional or unintentional with the kind of specific, and that's not the right way to describe it, but with the kind of specific regionality of your menu with you know natural wines, there's a lot that goes into kind of educating diners, intentional or not, yeah. because these are a lot of new flavors, I think, for a lot of new people. 100%. What's that like on a day out and day you know, basis, not just from the front of the house for you, but the back of the house for you as well? Yeah, that's actually interesting you asked that. I've always felt that way ever since, like back when I worked at the Flying Pig with uh, Mario Moser at the time, he's like one of the best chefs I worked for. He would always like be all about educating, educating people on like how food should be. like would hate when people wanted to order a steak well done and like stuff like that like I don't know and just introducing ingredients that people aren't familiar with in this area especially and um, techniques and stuff that people aren't familiar with that are actually like old school techniques and just like showing people more than your I don't know pizza and burgers and type restaurants that are around here you know just introducing new things to people I've always been about that and like yeah, same and with he's the also like huge on fermentation. He's obsessed. Yeah, so, I mean, th- things like that <laughs> as well. Like, like, yeah, f- fermentation. Some like a lot of people aren't used to that, but that's been a preservation method 
for thousands of years. People have used, and now like it's delicious. People use it in cooking, but not so much in Western culture. No. So when you try and introduce that in North County, San Diego, and people aren't familiar with it, they're like, oh, what is this? And you're like, people have been using these things for thousands of years. You know, it's good flavor. Yeah. It's, it's, so it's great yeah. flavor. That's right. That same argument is being had in Orange County. It's being had in L.A. I mean, there's, there's fermentation kind of. It's really, really making a very big push. Um, yeah. And I don't think in a trendy way. I think in a way if people are just realizing, no, this is delicious. It's let's normal. just do it. Yeah. yeah. This has just been, again, it's, I'm totally pro and behind that. Yeah. yeah. Um, Oceanside, it's, it's not a huge town. You know, North yeah. San Diego is more spread out, obviously, than kind of, it, it's the yeah. most spread out, I would say, of the three kind of major southern counties when mm. you're talking LA, Orange, and San Diego. North San Diego, especially, you guys have some monster restaurants up here. I mean, obviously, Dijamara. You've yeah. got, you know, what is it, Jona Jolie. You've got Campfire. I mean, French and Roden. Yeah. French and Roden. Yeah. 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 doing there is massive. I mean, he's doing mm. some amazing stuff. Yeah. yeah. You know, what is it? Why? Why is this happening here? Why are there so many great restaurants popping up here? I think, I don't know. I, I feel like Oceanside is just going to be a crazy food scene. Like, resorts are building. You know, so many things are coming in right now. I think it's just a cool, edgy town. Like, I, I, it's hard to say, honestly. Yeah. I know Davin from Branch and Rodent. He's a local dude. He's been around for a yeah. while. Yeah. But maybe another reason it is because it's kind of like the last frontier, like for North County, San Diego. Like there right. wasn't as many restaurants. And I feel like if you're one of those people that wanted to do something out of the box, mm-hmm. I don't know. This might be the place to do it. I mean, it seems like there's equal parts freedom of expression because it's such like a laid back you know kind of surf area yeah, yeah. there's also a bit of kind of a fuck it attitude people yeah. are like yeah, are exactly. you gonna do that <laughs> no, let's check it out yeah go ahead do it we don't yeah. know if it's gonna work but you're yeah. gonna do it yeah oh, that's how we fucking felt <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we did it we did it we did it so i mean yeah. with everything growing up and you're right it is exploding up here obviously new restaurants are being yeah, built i know booming, like, yeah. willie ike just started construction on matsu which is gonna be a massive japanese one like yeah. there's a lot going in yeah is it exciting? Is it daunting? Is it like, oh shit, now we got to really step up? I mean, I think I think it's I, exciting. I think it's cool. I love it. We've already been established. Like, yeah. we've been here three and a half years. We've yeah. already like, we kind of made our name already, and we are so different. Like, yeah. I don't think somebody's gonna open a Balinese inspired restaurant. I'm not restaurant worried here. about it. Yeah, I'm not I think it's cool because honestly, it's just gonna bring more people to Oceanside. Exactly. Yeah, and we got. Uh, and I forget his name, the chef from Valle de Guadalupe. Pujol, was he Pujol? Yeah, you know, he worked at Pujol. Oh, he worked at Pujol. Um, but yeah, he's opening a restaurant up here. Um, so we'll have some like real like Baja Valle food right here in Oceanside. Yeah. Um, it's just, I think it's cool. Yeah. Seeing, especially because I grew up here. It's like part of it is sad seeing it change. But it's also exciting. That was going to be my follow-up question. It's growing, yeah. Do you want that change? Does Oceanside want that change? Well, I just don't want it to go too far. I don't want it to become Del Mar, you know? At this point right now, Oceanside still has its character. Correct. It still has its grit, I guess. I don't know what you want to call it, but it still has has character, you know? know? And it's still very local. Very local. Like, everyone knows everyone. Um, But it's, it's exciting, Yeah. you know? I'm excited. I think it's cool to see. Yeah. Well, we won't have any spot on the beach in summer for sure. Yeah. yeah. Believe that. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the long-term look. Now that we kind of mentioned that the light is on the other side of the tunnel as far as COVID goes, um, yeah. you know, people are starting to open. Obviously, you know, we mentioned you guys just dropped Orange Tier yesterday at the time that we're recording this yeah. episode. Yeah. That's, you know, the kind of the five-year plan. Mm-hmm. What does the next five-month plan look like? I mean, I'm assuming restaffing and probably the issues with restaffing. Getting oh, yeah. Back That's the been door. an issue I mean, for so long. Yeah. We just hired some guy in the back last week, so we're getting there. Yeah. yeah. I think it's like, 
it's kind of hard to hire right now, hopefully in a couple of months, but I don't think we see like a future in five months. I think we just, every day we just take it as it is and do what we do best and just keep creating and doing what we love. You know, it's all boiled down to passion. Like I said, we never knew if we were in any magazines or voted for anything, you know, because we just come to work, we do what we love and we go home. Yeah. Yeah. It's a pretty beautiful way to do it. Yeah. I like that. Well, I want to ask about the sense that, again, I said it in a positive light that we're reopening. You're, again, it's difficult, but rehiring. Mm-hmm. Things are starting to kind of go back. Mm-hmm. Is there a fear of doing that because of that rush of customers that are going to come back? People are going to kind of expect a return to normalcy. Is there a little bit of a fear that that means, you know, short ticket times, being able to get a table, things like that? Because we're not, restaurants going back to being open, I don't think is being quote unquote open. Yeah. There's still a lot to deal with and a lot to adjust to and a lot to kind of get their feet wet back. I mean, you know, like you said, it was takeout with just you and one yeah. other guy for three months. Yeah. There's a bit of a muscle memory that's got to come back. Is there any hesitation about reopening or is it just, no, let's just go break down the barriers and see what happens. I, I'm, I'm good to go. Yeah. I'm, I'm ready. I mean, cause we've kind of been a little open for a bit now cause yeah. it went for like 25, 25%. capacity. Yeah, yeah. So it was, it's been a smooth transition and with it being fully open, I, We'll be staffed up by then, I'm sure. And yeah, I think I'm, the only ready. Yeah. challenging thing right now is we are getting our reservation system needs to be a bit better because <laughs> we are just getting hit so much. Fully like, booked almost every night. Every night. That's a good so problem it's to have. Just like, it's, yeah, I know, but like, yeah. yeah, just making sure we're like not overbooked. Yeah. Um, getting the tables right and everything. Yeah. Yeah, it's like it's a good problem to have, but. You know, we have customers like drive down and they couldn't get in and, you know, yeah. like. And like we're a small place. We don't have a designated host. We don't. Yeah. To, to handle no, all I should that. So this, like, yeah. everyone kind of does it for yeah. people, in the like, front. Yeah. Yeah. For people that haven't been here who haven't yeah. seen the space before, it's not a big space. I mean, it's, what's your what's your max capacity? 49, 49 and we can do, what, half of that right now, you know. You might but, be a little bit over with the tables outside. Yeah. 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 You know, Correct. Which is fine. It's just that we never took reservations to begin with. So now like introducing reservations because we are a small space and it's like all the percentage of capacity. Um, it's It's been very challenging, you know, trying to fit everybody in and deal with customers who can't get in. But we try our best, you know, to make sure everybody has a good experience here. So I think that's the challenging part for the front of house at the moment. And then the back of house, they run out of food. <laughs> yeah, no, because honestly, like business has picked up so like once it went to 25 percent capacity indoors like i was like oh man we're gonna be a little bit busier i need to up my pars and my ordering yeah and then we got slammed yeah. I'm like oh my god i need to order more and then it <laughs> happened again like two weeks later it's just like it's getting busier yeah um but that's like you said a good problem to have yeah has any of the experiences for either of you the past year with kind of handling the restaurant and all the shutdowns and all kind of the craziness with that has that changed your relationship with, you know, not just Dijamara, but the way that you kind of approach hospitality as a whole? Like, has it shifted the way you cook and kind of approach food at all? Or has it changed any of the way that you kind of handle front of the house? Um, or is it just kind of waiting to get back to it? I think... For me, it's a waiting game. Yeah. yeah. I don't think it's changed the way I cook at all. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, we I mean... We were just eager to get back into it, yeah. you know? And I think, like, relationship-wise, like, me and Jason... 
and the sous chef and Rob. Like we just every single day we're only doing to go oh, orders. Yeah, it we was only, just us. It was just seeing each other's faces. Yeah. So twelve hours a day, six days yeah. a week. And it's like in an empty we're, restaurant. We're a family. Yeah. Yeah. And I think if anything, it brought us closer because we struggled and we went through course, that yeah. time. And we're all just eager to get back out there and do what we love. And Jason's eager to create new dishes and put it on the menu. And I'm like, I need wine. That is one thing that I didn't have time to do. It's like, I don't yeah. have time to change or tweak the menu or come up with specials like any day. Yeah, I'm there's no R&D right now. Everything, everything yeah. else. Yeah. yeah, so I just can't wait to get staffed up again and like start running more specials, rotate the menu more, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. And like also interacting with people. And like that's so good for your soul. Like just yeah. seeing people, serving somebody at you know, a That's drink. A big, yeah. It really makes a difference. Like, I remember going to a bar and a bartender serving me a gin and tonic, and I'm like, wow, I feel great right now. Yeah, I like, haven't drank it yet, but I feel I great. Missed you. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah, know, like. Sitting at a bar for the first time is something yeah. I think everybody missed. I mean, we definitely played by the rules. You know, we did whatever we can, and um, I'm very glad this is somewhat over because people are getting vaccinated right now, and everyone's excited to get back out there. So. Mm-hmm. We are excited too. Yeah. Yeah. Summer 2021 is going to be big. Oh, Oh, it's going to be huge. (laughs) It's going to be crazy. It's going to be so nice though. Yeah. 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 It'll be like a full restaurant again. It'll be a real restaurant again. I know. Full capacity, full staff. Yeah. 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 No more make believe. How did did Oceanside itself handle the past year? I mean, it obviously sounds like Dijamara was good. We're sitting here now. Everybody's mm. smiling, and it's not just because of the, you know, the wine. <laughs> How does the town feel? Uh, I don't know. How does the town feel? Uh, I mean, I think everyone is just, like, itching to get out again. And like I said, they have been nothing but supportive during COVID. You know, we would have never gone through it without them. Very, very appreciative of Oceanside for sure but I think everyone's just itching to go out and just like you know I see the older crowd getting vaccinated and coming in right now which were my regulars which I'm very happy to see again you know they're like oh finally we are like going out after months because they have been locked they you know they see their families and whatnot so um, I think everyone's feeling a bit more comfortable like coming out and you know just experiencing Deja and all the other restaurants as well so yeah as more people are getting vaccinated, I feel like we're just going to have a surge of people like, like you said, this summer is going to be crazy. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah, for the, for the restaurant industry, for sure. Yeah. So yeah. make reservations now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, we yeah. don't take it that far off, remember? <laughs> Our reservation system is shit. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, yeah. Let's see. Just keep going, just keep grinding. Just keep going. Yeah, just keep going. Just well, keep I love going. it. Well, this is a very special place you guys have here. Like I said, I'm a huge fan of it. I, I think it's very important for restaurants like this. There's a bit of a stubbornness almost kind of behind it. It's like, no, we're going to do it this way, and we hope you like it. And, oh, shit, it turns out you really love it. Yep. The no reservations before, everything else, the food, mm-hmm. the natural wine. There, there's kind of a, no, this is our home. Come to it, and we hope you enjoy it. Yeah. And it sounds like it's going to be very exciting with this going in the future, too. Yeah. That's awesome. Definitely took us a while for people to appreciate what we did. But now they, you know, we have definitely. Well, there's a certain demographic, you know, it's yeah. not for everyone. Yeah. You know, yeah. we use funky stuff. We use fermented bean paste and fermented shrimp paste yeah. and fish sauce and. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So some people might be put off by it, but the people that are into it really are into it. Yeah. And we've kind of built that 
that demographic knows where we're at, where we're at now. Good. Oh, that's yeah. cool. And when well, we get people from Singapore and Malaysia, they come in and be like, oh my God, this is like home. Yeah. Like, can I have your anchovy sunball? Yeah. Oh, I know. That's yeah. the biggest upsell. Yeah. And yeah. Honestly, it's so refreshing. There's one customer that cried when she ate like our nasi lama. And I was like, oh my God, like, that's this it. is, it's this all is worth what it right I want. There. Yeah, yeah. It's all oh, worth and it. your friend that's that it. had the anchovy sunball. Yeah. And cried. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny. Um, yeah. So basically. Yep, we're just going to keep doing what we do best and hopefully just wait for the summer and wait for all these cool restaurants to open around us and just be a cool town with good food scene, you know? Yeah, well, I think yeah. places like this have already definitely helped accomplish yeah. that. I think it only goes uphill from here. Yeah. Um, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. You guys obviously have service tonight and from the, what it sounds like, it's going to be a busy ass one. And I need yeah. a sober up as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, if people want to find you guys on social media, the restaurant or each of you individually, anything like that, where can folks do that? So social media is Deja.Mara on Instagram. I mean, you can find everything you need there, you know, yeah. about the food, the wine, the restaurant, everything. Um, and then, yeah. Yeah. Everything's on there. Perfect. We're active on that, so Perfect. that's great. Well, hopefully people can get a reservation soon. Yeah. Or maybe not. We'll see. Well, reservations, <laughs> you can call us or email us at reservations at djamara.com, and I will try, no promises, to that's get fair. back to you. you no, I'm kidding. That's <laughs> fair. It's a good thing to have. Yeah. Thank you both so, so much for the time. Yeah, thank you. And letting me crash beforehand and, and get in before service and, and get this episode recorded. Of course. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Well, us too. Thank you so, so much to Simran and Jason for both sitting down. It was such a freaking awesome interview. I, Again, wherever you're listening to this, whether you're in an office, if you're back in one of those, if you're in your car, if you're just sitting at home, thank you for listening first and foremost. Thank you to them. When you have an awesome pair of people and you're drinking a little bit of natural wine and you're sitting in a beautiful day at the open restaurant in Oceanside, it's hard not to smile the entire time recording an episode like this. I'm so grateful to them for taking the time. I'm so grateful to them for what they're doing. They're doing it their way at Dijamara, and that's awesome. Absolutely freaking awesome. There's not enough that can be said. You need to go, you need to eat, you need to get some wine, you need to get some food. You need to check this place out because it is a mandatory stop and one of the most important restaurants in Southern California, in my humble opinion. But it's my opinion, my show, so I stand by it. This is a dictatorship, not a democracy. So my word stands, it's an important restaurant. You want to prove me wrong? Go there. See if you have a bad time. But I promise you, you won't. Thank you, as always, to the show sponsors for this week, HireLilo.com and HeirloomPotage.com. Don't forget, if you don't want to hear those ads, you can go to Patreon.com slash TheBestSeats and sign up at a monthly amount that means the most to you for early ad-free listening. Thank you to all the patrons that do support over there. The numbers are just growing. Thank you to Simon and Jason again and the team at Dijamara for being so hospitable and opening the doors and letting me come bother you before service and record this fantastic episode. And thank you to all of you listening. I love you. I'll see you soon. Take care. The Best Seats Podcast is an original production of The Best Seats. It is written, edited, produced, and owned by myself, Robert McCarthy, founder and owner of The Best Seats. It is recorded in Aliso Viejo, California. It is subsidized through generous donations through patreon.com slash the best seats. The following are names that have subscribed at the highest tier, aka norm status, and thus allow me to produce the show each and every episode. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Here are the supporters. 
Alexander Cook, Cheryl McCarthy, Elliot, George Pavlov, Serena Warino, Pizza Guy 92. Thank you for your support.